Welcome to Oscar Sunday, episode 90 to be exact. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Azagari. And we have another Best Picture Showdown for you guys, because that's what we do every fifth episode. And on episode 90, uh, we're going to be covering the 86th Academy Awards, which saw 12 Years a Slave receive three wins on nine total nominations, including the win for Best Picture. Right now, it's on HBO Max. Um, so check it out if you, you, know, you want to do that. Uh, come back and listen. Uh, I've owned it. I've owned it, you know, on DVD for quite some time um, because it's it's an incredible piece of film history. I'll say that. And you got, you know, Steve McQueen uh, directing. Uh, John Ridley wrote the screenplay, both black men. Um, and this is the first film with a, you know, black director, black writer to win Best Picture. Right. That's really weird thinking about that because it's just, you know. 10 years ago, right? <laughs> um, shortly after that, Moonlight won Best Picture, and that had, of course, you know, Barry Jenkins at the helm and a completely all black cast that that film. So, uh, you know, it's, it's happened since, but it shouldn't have taken that long. There's definitely been other movies that have come out in the past that, you know, should have made more noise, should have been in the Best Picture group, maybe should have won. So it, it's, it's interesting that 12 Years a Slave is the one that does it. But then again, it, it's not interesting to me because when you really look at it, this is Oscar bait to the core. It is a movie that allows white people to be like, oh yeah, we're fucked up. And, you know, have these, have these, these white guilt feelings and, and then be like, oh, but it was a masterpiece. I've been guilty of this. I remember maybe a year ago, um, uh, yeah, I guess about a year ago, we, we did a project, uh, Connor and I did a project on um, the best picture nominees from 2010 to, to, to the present. And we, you know, you watched, you had a bunch of homework you did, you watched a bunch of films, we got to talk about every year for, from the 2010s, kind of breaking down, you know, which movies should have won, or, yeah. you know, which ones you would take out, what would you put in, that kind of a thing. And I remember going to bat for 12 Years of Slave saying, like, oh, this is the one that should have won. This is, this is right. Um, after, you know, that's just my favorite thing about the show is, is you're really putting a movie on the, on the fucking chopping block and you're really seeing what it's about, seeing how tough it is. Um, 12 Years of Slave is one that I can understand some of the criticism and the backlash that it got that it still gets to this day. I also understand people praising it and calling the performances amazing and the direction and some of the writing and, you know, the cinematography is gorgeous. I get all of that. I see both sides now. And I think I was on one side for a long time and now I, I get both. Uh, and that's part of the beauty of growing as a, you know, a cinephile growing as a film fan. This is, these are the things you wake up to and, uh, it made me more excited for this episode because I think uh, I think this is the most ambitious and toughest episode we're going to have. Damn. Yes, thus far, that's for sure. This is uh, this is one I've always been kind of apprehensive of doing on this show, but I knew it was ha- it was going to happen because it's a winner. Yes. Uh, and here we are. I, I know I know that in the first 
first year of this show, we, we could not have done this. We didn't have it in us to do this. We didn't have the knowledge, the appreciation we needed to build up to like the show to get to this point, to be comfortable doing a film like this. And I, I think we, I think we can do it tonight. We can definitely do it. Uh, but this is not a pleasant film. This is not an easy viewing experience. This is a very uncomfortable, hard to watch film. If you have a fucking soul. And uh, like, you know, like you said, I, t- I too understand both sides of the coin here. Like people who don't get behind this, I, I understand, I get it, but it's hard to argue with what this film represents and what this film is telling us about. Cause this is, you know, like I said, before we started recording, I don't think we should ever forget that this happened in a film like this, that details it like the cruelty of slavery like this. I don't think we need to see it, but it needs to exist. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. It definitely has its place. Right. Uh, and this is like what, what cinema is for is for telling stories and reminding people of the past and, uh, it can be completely made up fiction. It can be, you know, complete bullshit and, you know, it can be full of aliens and whatnot, or you can, you know, take a true story and you can try to try to tell something that's going to kind of going to, going to stick with people afterwards. Um, uh, one of my favorite things I've read about 12 years of slave since, uh, you know, kind of keeping it in my brain for the past week is this article back in 2013 uh, after the movie came out by Peter Malamud Smith. And he, the, the article is, is that the title is We Can Be Heroes. And it says 12 Years a Slave, Schindler's List, and the Hero Problem in American Movies. Mm. Um, I won't read the whole thing, although it is pretty short and pretty, pretty easy to follow and under, to understand. But I think the thing that stuck out to me the most was this, um, this excerpt he took from Stanley Kubrick talking about Schindler's List. And uh, he says... The story of Solomon Northup is a powerful one, and this is an important film, but I can't help but thinking of what Stanley Kubrick is said to have remarked about Schindler's List. Kubrick was great friends with Steven Spielberg and admired the film, but with a crucial reservation. Crucial reservation. You think that film's about the Holocaust. That was about success, wasn't it? The Holocaust is about 6 million people who got killed. Schindler's List is about 600 people who don't. Um, that's that's pretty powerful when you like kind of kind of just take it for what it is. And I think Twelve Years a Slave. I think his comparison is, yeah, here's this guy Solomon who is a free man, um, and they they really hammer it home that he's a he's a violinist and that he's 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 a, he's a learned man. He's a well educated man, and he gets kidnapped and trapped and enslaved for twelve years. That doesn't that doesn't explain slavery really at all. In fact, slavery is a thing that went on for, you know, centuries over two centuries with millions of people who never got out. And his argument is that you can't forget that you can't forget that. And sometimes when you watch a movie, you start looking up to this guy, like, Oh, see this guy got away. It's like, yeah, but if you were to really make a movie about slavery, it's impossible. It's truly impossible to do that. And he says later on, he finishes off his article by saying, uh, <laughs> we can handle 12 years a slave, but don't expect 60 years a slave anytime soon. And 200 years, millions of slaves, forget about it. And that, that, that rocked me, you know, like to my core. I was like, wow, um, 
you know, I, th- I think this guy, you know, he, he praises parts of the film, but he also, you know, is, is like, Hey, like there is something to be said about how you take away from something and you go on. Oh, you know, I've just learned something. It's like, there's so much more to learn about slavery. You have to remember, this is a story. This is a story about one guy, one guy. Um, we barely really get a look into other characters. You know, we get a look into Patsy, uh, Lupe Nyong'o, just r- ridiculously talented Lupe Nyong'o. Her performance is, is so scary. Um, you know, we, we, get, we get the typical, you know, um, Paul Dano, Paul Giamatti, uh, Michael Fassbender, of course, these guys uh, who are slave owners and complete racist uh, you know, we've seen that before, right? Um, we've, see, we've seen that before in movies, that these kind of extreme characters. Uh, but really, we're with Solomon, the whole film. You know, we're, it's, it, we're following him through these 12 years of him getting away. And I think it's important to remember that you have to take a movie on its own terms. You have to really just kind of take it for what it is and remember there's other things happening outside of it. And I think people can get caught up in one lane when they watch a movie like this. It's tough. Yeah, this isn't, you know... This isn't the definitive change the world movie. It, it doesn't exist. No, mm. no movie is ever going to unite. You know, no movie is going to end racism. It's never going to happen. Correct. And a film is a film. And whatever emotions you get from it, whatever you find in the film, that's up to you. Uh, but also, these extremes did exist. Like, these people were real people. For sure. And they represent a small piece of a large chunk of this country's history. And while Solomon did escape, you know, millions didn't, but that doesn't make his story any less valid or worth telling. Correct. That's exactly exactly my point, is that if you can acknowledge that, and I think you can stomach this film and I think you can kind of understand what it's, what it's trying to do, what they're trying to do with this. Um, it, it has like an incredible, you know, you know, Rotten Tomatoes and incredible ratings on Letterboxd and people rave about it. I think they just, just go out and praise it and praise it and praise it. Oh, this movie taught me so much. It's, I, I, I think with context, you, you, you can learn a lot, you know, and you can realize some things, but you also have to remember that it is one man's story, you know, and this guy is one that got lucky, uh, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also, I hate this. I hate that. I, I, this is just my, my movie mind. When I was, when I was, you know, when I saw this movie in theaters, I was 18, right. Completely, you know, shattered my whole, you know, I was like, Whoa, you know, this is one of the first movies this extreme that I saw dealing with racism, dealing with slavery. Um, and, you know, of course, towards the end of the film, Brad Pitt becomes the hero. He becomes Jesus, you know, for a moment there at the end. And, you know, then, then you realize he's like the lead, uh, lead producer for the movie. And you're just kind of like, wait a minute, uh, Bradley. <laughs> I, I don't know, Brad. <laughs> I love okay. Brad Pitt to death, but like, is doesn't that raise your eyebrow just a little bit? I looked into that because it did. Uh, okay, and Brad Pitt did not want to do that. The, the he, production insisted he do it 
because they it was easier to sell the movie with him in it. Yeah, and he's in it for like five minutes. Yeah, yeah. and he does. You know, he 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 argued like this isn't really, you know, this doesn't feel right. But the production was like, well, we need to make this movie, and you know, it's going to be easier getting financing if you're here in the movie. We can, you know, I get that he wanted the, he he wanted the movie to be made, so he 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 did what he had to do, and I I like that it's a Canadian who helps him, yeah, because yeah, no American is gonna put their ass on the line in the 1850s for a black man who claims he was kidnapped. That's just the that's that's an, an unfortunate fact of the 1850s, and logically he was never gonna get out of there unless some white dude was willing to help him out that's just that's yeah. history like it sucks and it does turn this into a bit of a white savior story but that's that's history yeah that yeah that's like one of those scary realizations of like so many times you needed someone who wasn't a fucking sociopath you know to come and come in and help you who happened to be white in this case it's brad pitt <laughs> I just I, I was like ah oh, shit you know you know because uh, he, he's the one you know when they accept the Oscar he's the first person to talk uh, Brad Pitt he gets up on on stage and accepts the best picture you know they give out they give out gold statues to everybody but to be fair to be fair he quickly quickly turns it over to to Steve McQueen and is like take your moment you know um, yeah man this this movie's this movie's got a lot a lot around it that you can. Yeah. You can look at it and talk about, but, but I, I don't want to, I don't want people to think that I don't like this movie. I, I, I do. Um, in fact, you know, I, it's a nine in my book. It's a, it's a stellar, stellar piece of filmmaking. Just Steve McQueen, man, that guy, that guy just knows how to fucking capture, capture a moment. And uh, I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of his two previous works, um, Hunger and Shame where he clearly becomes obsessed and fascinated with Michael Fassbender. Uh, he's in all, you know, all three of his first movies. Uh, but I do think that going from hunger, you know, a, a movie about the hunger strike that's, you know, across the pond in his part of the world, right? Steve McQueen. Um, and then shame a movie about a guy who's sexually obsessed and addicted and uh, complete, complete freak with really no redemption uh, in, in that film. Uh, and it's like these characters, it's these like character studies that he, he does with Michael Fassbender at the forefront. Uh, and then he jumps from, so it's, that's 2008 hunger, 2011 shame. And then he goes from to 2013, 12 years of slave. I, I personally think that sometimes directors can take too, too large of leaps. And I think he kind of took too large of a leap. I, I, I think there's things that he didn't handle quite correctly if you if you really look at it it's it's these things i'm kind of kind of bringing up um but but man the guy's talented as hell man and knows how to knows how to frame stuff that uh, you know very very few people can do and he's got a patience to him that uh, again very few directors have um he does he does these long takes that just no one else has the balls to do. And I love that about him. That's, that's his signature. There's a, my favorite scene in any of his movies is in hunger. And it's this long, long take of Michael Fassbender speaking to a priest at the table. They're just at a the table. They're just talking. And you feel like 
the world is right there. They're talking about everything, you know, everything they're talking about everything and nothing, you know, at the same time. And that's, that's what I realized, you know, that's kind of his trademark or these very patient long takes that make you very uncomfortable. And he does that a few times in 12 years of slave. So he's incredible. I love widows. You know, it comes a few years later, uh, 2018. Um, I think the guy is wicked talented. But there's, you know, there's always something to say, I think, about someone kind of not stepping out of their lane, but just kind of taking, taking, taking a huge leap. And it's just, just not, not everybody can be at the helm of a movie like this. What's a bit odd for a Brit to tackle a story like this? Uh, they don't have the same brutal relationship with racism the way we do in America, it's, it's ingrained in our DNA. It's part of our nation's fabric. It's, it's never going away, but does it like, does an American director, is it, are they they able to tell that story better or does a British director's objectivity matter to telling the story? Mm. It's a hard decision to make. I don't really, I don't know. I don't have an answer. It's just something I think about. Yeah, no, I definitely think about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, racism is, is alive and well everywhere. Uh, but like you said, the the kind of relationship of specifically slavery for, you know, two straight centuries uh, just puts a stranglehold on it. And I obviously is still affecting our nation today. Um, I, th- I think I think McQueen is 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 sensitive to that. I think he understands, you know understands that but this most certainly has to be a black person um yeah in in control of this film and uh, at the helm and it is it it is um a historical feat that it took that long but at the 86th academy awards a black directed black written film won best picture um and that that is worth talking about and like you said we're going to talk about this movie at some point anyway uh, 12 years a slave because it's a winner so that's what we're going to do today you know um i like i like this discussion we're having you know just kind of just kind of what what does this film mean and you know what what can you kind of critique about it while also praising what it's doing correctly um i think we're going to be doing that all episode but we're also going to look at the 86 academy awards look at that best picture group and we're both going to do our personal rankings of the best picture nominees which include uh, American Hustle, Philomena, uh, Dallas Buyers Club, Captain Phillips, Nebraska, Gravity, Wolf of Wall Street, Her, and of course, 12 Years a Slave. So it's a really interesting group of films. I like most of them. You know, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a complete powerhouse group, but I like most of them. And I'm excited to kind of rank them and see where you have them. I, I didn't rewatch any of them except for 12 Years a Slave. I'm very familiar I actually own every single one except for Captain Phillips. Um, very, very familiar with these movies. No, I think I own, I own all of them in either physical or digital form. There you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting bunch to me. Uh, there are no nines. Eight is as high as it goes here. Okay, and I have. Yeah, I have. I have through four. Mm, three or four nines and then a couple of sevens some eights yeah i don't want to say it's an unremarkable bunch of films 
but it does be it's a very oscar bait heavy year like there's not a lot here breaking new ground experimenting it's a lot of like what you'd expect from the oscars yeah yeah i think so um do you when you look back at 2013 are you like is 12 years of slave the first movie you think about or like what do you think about when you think of 2013 I, you know, I think it is 12 years of slave. I tend to mark years by the best picture winner. It's just how I think of time now. And then everything else kind of is like a branch that comes off. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of that way too. Uh, I do remember the conjuring came out that year and the conjuring is, you know, in my, in my opinion, this, this, this pillar of modern horror, uh, you can, you can, you can, uh, fucking, dissect that movie if you want you know whatever not you're not if you're not totally into ghost stuff or or you know fucking haunted house stuff or whatever but the importance that that holds in the horror community for for dollars for moving forward and allowing horror horror needs those movies that kind of give it this jolt of hey we're right here we're making good stuff we have pretty good actors we have good directors and we can make a big, big time money. And I think The Conjuring did that in 2013 and it kind of showed, hey, we got some stuff. So I always think of that movie. I wish it was up for best picture, but we don't live in a perfect world. So <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, The Conjuring's great. Uh, it, yeah, I get why you'd go straight to The Conjuring. Um, I always think of The World's End, a mm. uh, big favorite of mine, the third part of uh, Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy. Um, another I think should have been up for screenplay for that for the brilliant callbacks and the way Edgar Wright writes a screenplay is fucking brilliant. But um, yeah, there's a lot to offer here, and I don't necessarily think that the Oscars picked nine perfect movies to represent that year. Just I think they could have done better. Yeah, and I think I think the biggest mistake they made this this year was um outside of like the best picture stuff and nominating more, more different movies was Michael B. Jordan, not being up for Fruitvale station is completely bonkers to me. It's one of those like very, very clear breakout performances where it's like, okay, this guy is here to stay. And that movie, the movie is fucking incredible. And I think, I think it's one of those movies that if, if the Oscars were to happen, three, four, five years after, you know, if the ceremony happened a few years after the movies actually came out, I think Fruitvale fucking gets all kinds of praise. I think it's a movie that just took a, took a couple of years for people to realize how good it was. Yeah. I feel that way about inside Lewin Davis. Oh that, God. And that yeah. makes no sense. Cause that's the Coens. Like how can you not, they do that shit though with the Coens. They don't fucking give them the respect they deserve uh, right off the bat. You know, the Coens are either, their film is either completely embraced by the Academy with a full sweep of nominations or entirely shut out. There's no middle ground with the Coen brothers. It's so odd. Uh, Uh, I hate it. I hate it. Another film that I now think should have dominated this ceremony, which I hadn't seen um, until recently is prisoners. Oh yeah. Prisoners is great. Denny, Denny Villeneuve. Yeah. That movie (laughs) got under my skin so fast. I didn't leave. I, like how that didn't break into this bunch of nominees. This is better than almost all of these movies. Prisoners is lights out better than almost everything we got here. 
I, I, I can't argue that. I love prisoners to death. Yeah. I love, I love doing this. I love looking at, looking at yours and kind of seeing like, Oh wow. How'd you miss that shit? You know, it's just funny. Cause like now Denny, Denny's a very well-known name and a guy who's his dunes all over the place at this, uh, 94th Academy Awards. So, um, and, and yet they still didn't nominate him for best director. Which is so stupid. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, we, we typically, I, uh, cause, cause, cause I know where it can go and I know how you and I can just go on and on forever. I, I we try to stay away from current stuff happening and the Oscars on this show. We try to look back at the past, stick to the past. Yeah. But good God. The more I look at the nominations, the more like confused and just kind of like, what? <laughs> There's these decisions. They don't even, they don't, they don't need to win. They don't need to go out and get the gold, but putting them in the group, putting them, nominating them is good for, good for everybody. It's good for the fans and good for your show and good for the Oscars to have guys like Denny Villeneuve who directed fucking Dune, a movie that I think is good, not great, but it's good, but he should be up for best director. People, people got their asses out of their homes and went and saw that in the theater. Fucking respect that. Respect that, Academy. That stuff matters, especially right now. Especially now. I can't. I, I can't. I can't understand what they're what they're doing. This slate that they've that they've offered is very confusing. And um, we will be doing an episode um, as it gets closer. You know, we're we're going to kind of fully go into our feelings about about the movies and, and everything because of course there's some great films that are represented but man i've been confused as hell by what they did with those nominations i haven't been really confused i was significantly underwhelmed i was like oh okay once again cool. here we go another west side story again really okay cool yeah like what a shock uh and i just you know having being more tuned into to film now like i I had higher expectations. I had stuff in mind. Like, I can't believe Jennifer Hudson was ignored for respect. Uh, oh, like, what the fuck is that? Like, I thought she was going to win. When I saw the movie, I'm like, she, no one can beat her. She was amazing. Yeah, yeah. God damn. I can't believe she's not up. And this is not just some fucking chump. This is, this is this, she's been there. Yeah, <laughs> she's, she's an Academy Award winner, Jennifer Hudson. Yeah, who's uh, got one of the best voices in the entire world? Like, yeah. I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. Bradley Cooper not being out for Best Actor. Oh, uh, it's Bradley motherfucking Cooper. Put him in the group. He doesn't need to win. Put Dude, him there. That every everybody from Licorice Pizza got snubbed. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, like, I know. It's crazy. Put you know these why? people it's there because these assholes watched a five minute snippet and then moved on. Yeah. They missed the five minutes where Bradley Cooper showed up. Yeah. <laughs> this is me off. Now that I know about the selection process, I'm like, you have no business judging shit. You didn't even watch the movie. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh God. Like judging, you know, if you're a judge or if you're a judge on a cooking show and you don't eat the meal, what do you have to say? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, I, I struggle because I know they've added thousands of, of Academy members board members, people who vote, people who supposedly watch everything. It's like, well, well, but what's changing? What's changing? You know, you added, you added new, new people, younger people, uh, more diverse. Okay. But what's happening? Nothing's actually happening. So I, 
beyond me, man. Uh, yeah, I know we could go on for another hour just about the state of the Oscars and how frustrating it is for us because it's a love-hate relationship. We'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, sometimes more hate than love. But yeah, yeah, you know, we, got, <laughs> we go back to the but, well. Yeah, but here, here we are. You know, you know, um, there are there are good films out there, right, that are represented. So, uh, Twelve Years a Slave is 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 a quality film, and we're definitely gonna look at these nine nom- total nominations, and uh, three of those are wins. So, I think we should start with probably production design. Yeah, sounds good. I'll let you, I'll let you take over that that category. Uh, yeah, we've got production design, film editing, directing, costume design actor in a supporting role, lead actor, and then we've got three wins after that. So we'll do those first six, I think. I love doing this for later years because we've seen most of the movies, so we actually have something to say. <laughs> uh, yes, we have seen a lot of them, yes. Production design, we have American Hustle, Gravity, Her, 12 Years a Slave, and the winner, The Great Gatsby. Uh, maybe the most forgettable film of this at this ceremony. <laughs> yeah, not a fan of that one. Uh, that, that movie is one of those kind of let's mash up the twenties with Jay-Z and I, I just, I'm good. I don't, I don't like that kind of stuff. I miss when creativity meant you had to do something that no one had done before and not just yeah. take shit that people have done and combine it and call yourself a master, a master worker. It's ridiculous. Anyway, Baz Luhrmann's doing Elvis and I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll see. This is his, is this his, um, his follow-up to cats? No, that was that was Tom Hooper. Oh, that was Hooper. Okay, yeah, I get that's funny. I get him confused. It, weirdly, it feels like Baz Luhrmann. I get why you why you'd think that. Ba- Baz Luhrmann. What else has he done besides Grant uh, Gatsby? He did that show on Netflix. What what other movies has he done? Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge. Okay, that was his big one. Uh, the Romeo and Juliet with Leo and Claire Danes. Uh, I know <laughs> <laughs> his track record is great, but it's Elvis. All right. He's done something else. Uh, any whatever. Moulin Rouge okay. is pretty good. <laughs> um, production design. Uh, I, I get why Great Gatsby would win this. Uh, it's yeah. you know the twenties. Everything looked great before the stock market crashed. Uh, but honestly, I think I'm going to give this one to Twelve Years a Slave. Oh, for sure. Got to go to Twelve Years. Uh, incre- incredible, incredible production design of that movie and. Just there's again. I think this is this is up to up to the patience of of Steve McQueen as well. It's like you have him just settling on these 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 scenes that they've set up and just kind of giving you this this feel. You know, you're looking at looking at these you know these little like cabin like things that these people are living in and these slaves that have that's where they reside and. The, then you 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 pan over and you're looking at this giant fucking house while you know Solomon is working on a gazebo. You know, like the, there's yeah. just these incredible incredible pieces, set pieces in this movie. Uh, yeah, gotta go to Twelve Years a Slave. Either that or Gravity for me. Gravity, I don't really see the production design though. It's it's just a CGI space. Yeah, I, th- I I think it's more about. I guess that's more costume. I really like how everybody, you know, how especially you know, of course, Sandra Bullock. The way she's just this this suit and this the ship that she's in uh, is just really fucking cool. And I love Gravity, man. Oh my god, the movie's awesome. <laughs> I, nah, I to me that's a one that's a one t- a one time movie. Like you watch it the first time because you're like, 
I don't know what the hell's going to happen here. And I can't stop like freaking out. But once you know what's going to happen, you're like, all right, let's just move this along. <laughs> like you just don't feel it as much as you do the first time. So I gravity lost points with me this time. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I, I think, I think I'm just, I'm just a sucker for Alfonso Cuaron, I think. And I just will always just kind of side with him. So I, get all, all, I get it. <laughs> I'll admit my bias. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, film editing. American Hustle, Captain Phillips, Dallas Buyers Club, 12 Years a Slave, and the winner, Gravity. Uh, Alfonso just keeps racking up the statues because he does everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Film editing. Um, I get why Gravity took this. Uh, I don't think it's... Hmm. I'm going to give this one to 12 Years a Slave as well. Okay, I think it's between 12 Years of Slave or Dallas Buyers Club because I think I think properly uh, there's a fine line. We've talked about this before with this category. There's a fine line between what year is it? You know, as the viewer, you're like, where are we? What year is it? How long is how how, how much time has passed? Yeah. And these movies, these movies have a, a way of just without treating you like an idiot, you understand that time has passed. You understand. We're in a, you know, we're in a new year. We're in a new, you know, a new time, new place or whatever. And uh, just by simple little pieces of dialogue, they're not saying it is now 1892. You know, it's like, I, I can dig a movie that does that too. You know, one of my favorite movies of ever, of all time, There Will Be Blood does that. But I also really appreciate a movie that just, just kind of just goes, just goes with it. You just kind of have to keep up. You have to pay attention. So one of those two movies in 12 years, I think probably does it more effectively. And the title, you know, it's in the title. So, and heartbreaking. You, should, you just know, like, he's not making out of this for over a decade. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like movies that have what's happening in the title. I think it's a, I think it's a true, uh, true sign of, of greatness when you can have that in the title and you're still, you still have people on the edge of their seat. Um, one of my favorite movies, uh, Robert Besson's, Besson's uh, A Man Escaped in the late fifties is like, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's about a guy escaping. So, <laughs> but you just, you just gotta, you gotta fucking figure it out. You know, you gotta figure out and follow, follow, you know, each little path that they take. So it's, I, I kind of like that. I think my favorite film title of all time is actually something that's coming out in May. Uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent. Yeah. I, yeah, I love that title. Can't wait for that movie. <laughs> <laughs> ah, beautiful. Uh, I like, I like the title Jackass Forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly what you'd expect. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Forever. Never going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> There's an art in crafting a good title. It's yeah. like mm-hmm. in my own work, I'll often come up with a title first and then build a story around that. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think for sure. I think that's, that's huge. Uh, there's there's something about it there's like a touch to it and yeah. and i think i think i think that's one of my one of my favorite parts in any movie ever is uh social network when uh sean parker justin timberlake's character says drop the the just facebook <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> fucking genius <laughs> then he showed up 20 years later is like hey drop facebook meta yeah like, yeah i don't know if you should still be giving advice <laughs> No, I don't think. No, I don't think so. 
Uh, costume design. We have American Hustle, The Grand Master, The Invisible Woman, 12 Years a Slave, and the winner, The Great Gatsby. Um, the Invisible Woman and The, and the Grand Master. I have not seen those. Uh, ooh, Grand Master looks awesome, though. Yeah, I've heard it's I've heard it's fucking incredible. That's I'm kind of ashamed. That's why I was quiet there for a second. I'm kind of ashamed. I I I I know some people who have seen that and are kind of like, "You're the movie guy, and you haven't seen Grandmaster, you fucking fucking loser." You know, <laughs> it's 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 one of those. It's one of those. You know, it shit happens. I'm not that well versed in foreign films, but I am trying. I am working on it. I watched, uh, you know, when Shang Chi came out, I watched a. Uh, in like uh, iconic characters video with Tony Long talking about his career and the, he, his filmography was fascinating. So many mm. cool, cool movies I've never heard of that I want to watch right now. So, you know, you got to start somewhere and, you know, keep learning. Yeah. It, it, and uh, what sucks about this is, is speaking about Tony Long and the director Wong Kar, uh, Wong Kar Wai, I have just recently watched uh, Fallen Angels from 1985 and King Express from 1984. It's like, how have I not seen the Grandmaster? This is the one that people know him for. This is the one that got him serious, you know, international praise. And it's like, uh, I just haven't. I, I watched Fallen Angels on a whim one night. I was, I couldn't sleep. Uh, I was scrolling through Criterion and I was like, this looks kind of fucking cool. And then I realized, oh, that's that's that guy. That's 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 Wong Kar Wai. He, you know, people people really like him. You know, and I was blown away by blown away by fucking uh, Fallen Angels and then Trunking Express from the year year before is just as good. Um, and Tony's in that one. He plays a cop in in Trunking Express, and he's fucking incredible in that movie. So this is I'm probably gonna make this a priority sooner than later because I'm I'm embarrassed. <laughs> I really want to watch. I want to watch the Grandmaster, and I really want to see In the Mood for Love. Yeah, yeah, that's. I think that's on Criterion right now. So, I, yeah, it's. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, you know, sometimes I want to just go away into a place that I'm by myself with white walls and a TV and just knock out fucking thousands of movies. <laughs> oh boy, I know the feeling, man. I hate when I have shit to do because I'd rather be doing this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and like, you know this feeling of like, holy shit, there's all these things I can choose. I think I'm just going to watch It's Always Sunny. <laughs> yeah. That's what uh, I did last night. I watched like four episodes in a row of It's Always Sunny, and I had, a, you know, I had the time of my life because I love watching old episodes of It's Always Sunny, but I was like, I could have knocked out like two movies. What am I doing? <laughs> uh, well, from what I've seen, I'm going to, I think Great Gatsby should get costume design. That makes sense. Um, you know, I'm actually going to go with a movie I don't like here, uh, American Hustle. Um, the thing that American Hustle has going for it is its performances and it's and it's and the way they look. Uh, specifically watching Christian Bale and his little fucking toupee and his glasses and his suit. I I mean, yeah, yeah, but it's one of those. I think it's you know one of those American Hustle. If I'm I'm pretty sure it's like all seventies, right? And yeah. then uh, Great Gatsby, yeah, at the 20s. You kind of got these two famous periods of American uh, fashion, and so they make sense. I'm going to change my vote. I think American Hustle should get it. I forgot about the comb-over and yeah. the glasses and the outrageous suits, like Bradley Cooper's perm. Like, yeah, give it, oh, yeah, God. Get, yeah. 
Bradley Cooper is so absurd in that movie. Uh, give me more. I'll take it. <laughs> I want that movie to, I, I don't care for it that well, that much. I think it's over the top. I think it gets lost. It's full of cliches, but there is a brilliant movie hidden in there somewhere. Oh, oh yeah. And when I saw it in theaters, I was like, masterpiece. You know, I was 18. I was like, yeah, like that's, that movie fucking ruled, you know, Jeremy Renner, Bradley Cooper, Christian Bale, Jennifer Lawrence, Amy Adams, you know, Robert De Niro. I, but no, but no, no, it's not all there. L- fucking Louis C.K. pops up in this goddamn movie. Like, what the hell? I, I did love the constant, like, trying to tell the fishing story and never getting resolution on that. I thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there, there is something there, man. You know, there, there's, there's a movie there. And I think David O. Russell, I think that happens to him a lot. He gets convoluted. Yeah. Down the road, we're going to have a lot to say about David O. Russell. I have some pent-up shit to talk about with David O. Russell. All right. Hell yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Uh, director. All right. Always an interesting group. Uh, not, the, not the people I would have chosen. Uh, David O. Russell for American Hustle. Eh. Alexander Payne for Nebraska. Steve McQueen for 12 Years a Slave. Martin Scorsese for The Wolf of Wall Street, and the winner, Alfonso Cuaron for Gravity. And I'm going to say just right here, Cuaron 100% deserved this Oscar. I agree. The, the work he put in with Gravity shows. I will, I will give it that for sure. Uh, the rest of these guys, I don't know. Um, I think Paul Greengrass should be here for Captain Phillips. Okay. Um. I think that Stephen Freer should be here for Philomena. Yeah. I think uh, Spike Jones should be here for her. That's, that's the one. That's the one I was waiting for. I don't understand that at all. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah get David L. Russell like way out of there. Um, <laughs> Alexander Payne, good job, but get out of there. Uh, I think Steve, Steve McQueen and Martin Scorsese have something to say, but yeah, yeah, I think I think those guys you name, I think Freer's for sure, and and Spike Jones for sure. Uh, Marty Martin Scorsese, the guy just can't fucking stop. <laughs> it's, he 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 can't. It's so in his DNA and so a part of him to just yeah. to just fucking make movies. And that that Wolf of Wall Street's like a three hour. I don't understand how he does that kind of stuff. Where it's it's so entertaining the entire time. Um, Good God. Yeah, I'll have a lot to say about Wall Street later. <laughs> Some filmmakers are sharks. They stop moving, they die. Like they just, it's, they live for it. They, they can't stop making movies. Scorsese's mm. 100% one of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. God, he's, he's the man. Uh, yeah. I, but I, I do think no matter who's in this group, uh, Corone is, is the guy who, who's going to be walking on the stage at the end of the night. So, uh, God, I love that guy so much. He's, He's got quite the filmography and I like that. He's been, you know, kind of respected by the Academy throughout his tenure as a director. So kudos yeah. to him, man. He's awesome. Oh yeah. I love whenever we get to tackle Scorsese, our taxi driver episode is still like one of our top 10, I think. <laughs> yeah. I had a blast doing that. Yeah. We clearly did. It was like three hours long. So it was as long as Wolf of Wall Street, you know? So <laughs> uh, yeah, I love talking about Scorsese. We got to do a, we haven't done a Quran movie. We haven't, have we? Yeah, we haven't. We should do an Alfonso movie at some point. I would love to do uh, E2 Mama Tambien would be fun. Roma would be fun. Uh, 
maybe gravity sometime down the road. Yeah. Chrome. Yeah. Prisoner of Azkaban. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hook that up. I want to do Coron. I can't believe we haven't. Yeah, children, almost 100 children, episodes in. Children of Men should have been like rivaling The Departed in 2006 at the Oscars. That's the one we got to do. We mm. Children of Men. Oh, man. I haven't seen that in years. That movie's brilliant. Yeah, so good. Maybe maybe his masterpiece. Like that's just because it's just how can you not like this movie? I I get I get Gravity and Roma. They're they're fucking they're slow. They're br- slow burners. You need to Mama Tembien. Maybe you're just not into that kind of a storytelling. But Children of Men, you got you, you don't have a pulse if you don't like that shit. <laughs> oh yeah, cool. Yeah, good movie. Um, supporting actor. Barkhad Abdi for Captain Phillips, Bradley mm. Cooper for American Hustle, Michael Fassbender for 12 Years a Slave, Jonah Hill for The Wolf of Wall Street, and the winner, Jared Leto for Dallas Buyers Club. Where are we going? Oh, man. Okay. Well, first off, uh, Mr. Abdi, hats off to him. This is his first actual, you know, performance, and he does, he he's completely lights out in that movie, you know, has the great um, you know, I'm the captain now, you know, <laughs> like he, he has that great scene where like everybody knew it, you know, that was his little montage bit. Um, Bradley Cooper. I love the guy. I love him to death, but this is, this is not his best work uh, as Richie. He's completely absurd and it's not, it's just not the best storytelling for, for, for that kind of a character in my opinion. Uh, while he's great, I, I don't know if he should be in the group. Um, Okay, the other three, vastly different, <laughs> but but I think they all have a shot. Um, I'll start with Jonah Hill. That movie does not work without him. Um, Jonah Hill. This is coming off of his Moneyball, um, you know, his Moneyball stuff in 2011, and he works with you know Bennett Miller and and Aaron Sorkin and Brad Pitt. And he's like, this is the time when he's like, I like, I want to work with all the best. I want to work with the best people. He did this movie for like no money. He was like, I just want to work for Scorsese. Like I, Goodfellas is my, he, he always says like, Goodfellas is my favorite movie of all time. I just want to see Scorsese at work. And he ends up being, you know, he ends up playing fucking Donnie, the right hand man to, you know, Jordan Belfort to Leonardo DiCaprio's Jordan Belfort. Now he has a relationship with these people. Now he knows Martin. You know, he knows Leo. Very cool for him. And the work in the movie is fucking unreal. It's funny as shit. His, his comedic timing is crazy. He did stuff in that movie that not a lot of people do, like fucking eating the fish. You know, I, I, think, I think he does stuff in that movie that people overlook just because he's so silly and so wacky. But he really helps that movie move along. Michael Fassbender. Uh, one of the scariest performances of all time. It makes you question him. You're like, wait a minute. How are you able to do this? How are you able to be that evil? Um, you know, it, it's right on par with the likes of, you know, what Christoph Waltz is doing in Glorious Bastards. You know, it's just like, dude, I don't know about you. I, I'm not not quite sure um, you're, the, you're, you're an okay human being after doing something like that. Um, he is endlessly evil as Edwin Epps. And the winner, Jared Leto. Um, I, think that's a, I think that's a good performance. I I, I'm, I'm kind of in the boat that I, I wish I wish someone else would have played that played that role. Um, I'm just I'm not a huge Jared Leto fan. Um, 
never, never really have been aside from Requiem for a Dream. So I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not a big fan of his. So that one doesn't totally do it for me. I think it's Fazbender or Jonah Hill here. Um, I 100% think it's Fassbender. Uh, okay. Like you said, yeah. that, that's a terrifying performance. There's so, racist with power are the scariest motherfuckers in film and life. Uh, yeah. I think there's two glaring omissions here for me. Um, <laughs> Steve Coogan and Philomena and Jake Gyllenhaal and Prisoners. Uh, God. Uh, yeah. So we're not going to be cinematography is something we're not going to be looking at, which is crazy because 12 years a slave gorgeous, yeah. but Deacon Deacon's films prisoners, right? He's up for best uh, cinematography, but <clears throat> Jill Hall is unbelievable. And I don't know, man, I think, I think it's has an argument for being like his best performance ever. Jake Jill Hall. So I, I I'm, I'm with you. I think he should be there. It's Jill Hall or Paul Dano for prisoners. Both of them. Could have could have gotten this spot one of these spots, uh, but yeah, perfect world. Shit, shit happens, yeah. So so you're you're st- you're definitely going with Fazbender. I I I, I can't I can't really argue with that. It is it is one of the scariest things I've ever seen someone do, and his his dialogue with Brad Pitt is is so frightening. Um, the way he delivers it, yeah, is, is just is just really unnerving and. You you see the fascination Steve McQueen has with Fassbender over his filmography, and it it's it's quite quite a work um, a work relationship between those two. They they just they just understand each other, and it shines in all three of those movies. Those first movies that McQueen directed. Fassbender seemed like he was on top of the world between like 2011 and like 2015, and then he just what was the last thing he was in? Um, I don't really know. That's a good question. Yeah, I kind of think of him as I really, I really like what he does in um, uh, who is it that directed Danny Boyle, the the Steve Jobs movie, yeah, uh, yeah written by Sorkin. I really like that movie. I I love him in it. Um, and I think he's amazing in, in the Steve McQueen movies. Uh, and and I like him. I like him um as a fucking uh Magneto um. I really like him in that. I think he's, I think he's, I think he's like underused and underappreciated and that, that, that fucking sucks. Faz is, is awesome. Uh, I, I want to see him win gold one day. As much as I love him as Magneto, my favorite role by far is Lieutenant Archie Hickox, the glorious bastards. Oh yeah. Great. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, maybe he learned back in 2009, he watched Christoph Waltz and was like, touche bitch. You know, like I can, I can fucking, you know, you, you, you gotta be a freak to go to that place. You know, you gotta be a freak. Uh, I can't, I couldn't, uh, the, the amount of times these white actors in this movie, 12 years a slave use the, use the N word. I, I, I don't understand how they can do that. Um, it, it makes you just kind of raise your eyebrow. Like what's wrong with these people, you know, and they're, this is, this is their job. It's, it's crazy. I was talking about with somebody about that earlier today about, the place you have to go as an actor to be, to inhabit a character like this and what you have to turn off the, like the empathy and the, the heart and that you have to erase from yourself to get into a mindset like this. I don't know if it's worth it. It's right, horrifying. No. And like, you know, I don't know if you come back a hundred percent from, from that mindset. I wouldn't want to attempt it. No, no. 
I, I certainly, certainly could not go, go there, you know, um, which, which causes you to, again, raise your eyebrow or admire. I, I don't know. It's kind of a weird place to go where you're like, what the fuck? Like, uh, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio and Django, like what, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Like, I don't know about this. But again, it is just a character. It isn't who they are. It's not representative of their character. But at the same time, you you had to you had to find something inside you to go here. Exactly. Exactly. That's why it's a weird conversation. We could yeah. talk about it forever. Mm. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah, I, th- I think Faz Faz deserved that one though. I think you're right. Uh, best actor. Oh boy. Yeah, this is going to be hard to decide here. Uh, Christian Bale for American Hustle, Bruce Dern for Nebraska, Leonardo DiCaprio for The Wolf of Wall Street, Chiwetel Ejiofor for Twelve Years a Slave, and the winner Matthew McConaughey for Dallas Buyers Club. I back back when this award show happened, I had not seen Dallas Buyers Club, so I was like, "There's no way in shit Matthew McConaughey walks away with an Oscar," and then he did, and I'm like, "What the hell? Are you kidding me?" And then he thanks himself from five years ago, like. <laughs> His speech is fucking awesome. It's so stupid. It's awesome. It's uh, so arrogant. But at the same time, it's like it's McConaughey, you know? Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, I I love I love McConaughey. I was on I was on I was on the McConaughey wave. You know, I saw, you know, Wolf of Wall Street, that great scene he does where he's like, mm-hmm. Uh and then he, he was he was in 2012, he was in a movie called Mud that I think is awesome. Uh, and then he and then he was in True Detective season one, uh, like during that two year span, I was like, this guy is a fucking master of his craft. Why the ten years before, all he was doing was like shitty rom coms and like, well, like like Fool's Gold and How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days and like what do like where Sahara? Where did this guy come from? Like, <laughs> see, I, I I hopped on the McConaughey train like way late. I missed all this. So to me, he was still the the goofy dude doing bongo, like playing bongos naked in Hollywood and <laughs> yeah. starring in shitty rom-coms. Nobody was watching. And I'm like, now he's up for an Oscar. What's going on? Yeah. Here? Who, did, who did he blow to get here? Yeah. And, but then turns out he's very good. <laughs> I didn't know. Turns out he's like one of our, one of our most talented guys. Yeah. He's, he's incredible. And he's great. He's great as one. Woodruff. Yeah, he is. I, all right, who do I want winning this Oscar? I, at the time I was betting heavy on Leo. Uh, but you know, now God, I wish fucking wish Leo would have won this. I think, yeah, God, it's, it's the most, uh, I was looking into, you know, I, I really, I'm really into screen time and how much actors are actually on screen carrying something. And, you know, yeah, this, this movie's like 180 minutes and he's in it for almost the entire film. And it's just, that's that's value, you know. It's serious value to your movie, and I I I don't I can't think of anybody who could do what he's doing in, in Wolf of Wall Street. It's so over the top. I mean, like you don't believe it at times. You're like, this can't be real people doing this shit in a building in New York City. That's not possible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, I'm in the wrong send line in, of work. Send in the strippies. Yeah. I, I love Wolf of Wall Street. I, I think Leo should have won for this. I think he should have won for The Revenant, and he should have won for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He should have a fucking closet of gold. Yeah, you're not wrong. I'm not going to argue with that at all. Uh, Christian Bale is the best thing about American Hustle, though. 
His performance in that is gold. He's always on the verge of completely exploding, but he never quite does. I love yeah. the gut. I love the comb over, the big glasses, the just like constant like glaring at people. I just <laughs> he's the only thing holding that thing together. Him and Amy Adams are just lights out good in that. They they really are. You, you you're not wrong about that. And and you know he this is this is part of his wild run of you know the fighter comes out just just a few years prior right and he's rail thin and he gains weight and he loses weight gains weight um yeah this was you know, yeah. a fighter and then the dark knight rises he bulked up back to be batman then american hustle he got a gut and then what i don't know what what after that he does he does he does knight of cups shortly after that with uh, terrence malick and he's yeah. back to like just really normal christian bale um and then he does uh, hostels a few years later and he's kind of kind of thin again uh he does fucking vice in 2018 yep. and he's he's big he's dick cheney big uh yeah god he he's a treasure uh that guy so i have no problem with him winning um how about how about old bruce dern i will always love bruce dern i have such oh. a soft spot for this guy yeah me too i mean that's about a nine out of ten on the tension scale <laughs> Soldier's way saves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love love Brewster. God damn. Uh, Nebraska is an oddball. It, Alexander Payne, all of his work is weird. It's always you know comedy and drama perfectly synced up into a story of just outrageous shit happening to regular people. Yeah, and the idea that this dude thinks you know oh I won a million dollars in a sweepstakes and I got to go collect. And his son being like, no. And him just not listening to anybody. Who else but Bruce Dern could channel that kind of old person stubbornness? Uh, but is he as good as everybody else here? I don't, I don't think so. I, I don't know if he – I don't know if he holds up to the rest of these guys, especially with these performances. Yeah, he's, he probably is last place amongst these five. Yeah. And that's not, that's not to disparage him as an actor. He's a great actor. But this year – these other four guys were tuning in, like turning in career defining work. Yeah. And yeah. You just can't, you know, it's hard to argue with that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. God, this is a good group. Jesus. Chiwetel is phenomenal in 12 years of slave. Jesus Christ. I knew him as the bad guy in serenity, the firefly movie. That's what yeah. I knew from before this. <laughs> yeah. And then, now he's Solomon. Yeah. And this, this is always going to be his defining performance uh, forever. Yeah. And, you know, as an English actor to, to become an American, I feel like it's always so much easier for than, you know, an American trying to be a Brit that rarely works out. Yeah, no, it, it, it does not, does, does not go well. Whereas you could be like, wait, Daniel Kaluuya is not from here. You know, like that, that happens a lot. Or Christian Bale's not from here. You know, that, that happens a lot. Oh, damn, this is a hard one. This is, these are, these are great. Um, you know what? I'm going to, you know what? Fuck it. Keep it, McConaughey. You deserve, you earned it. Let's go, Ron Woodruff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I'd go, I think Leo, man, I think Leo, McConaughey and Chiwetel are kind of right there at the very top. Bale's just under them. And that's not so much about him. It's more the film around him is not yeah. probably up to, up to par. Uh, 
But God, this is a good group. What a crazy group of five guys. I would see a movie about anything with these five guys in it. Oh my God. Yes. They could be, they could be in the like mailing room and I'd be like, yeah, fucking sign me up. You know, <laughs> I'd watch a direct to video Pixar knockoff movie starring these guys. Yeah, I probably would too. Just to hear those five voices. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah. Nice. Um, who, who'd you go with? I, I, I'll go Leo. Leo is, is ultimately if I'm, you know, gun to my head, <laughs> Leo, Leo's just, just completely bonkers in that movie. And I, I love Wolf of Wall Street. So, so I, I, I've watched that movie way more times than all these others. So that might have something to do with it. You know, I've just fallen in love with what he, him and Jonah Hill are doing in that movie. Um, and, and I, I do think Margot Robbie just completely got overlooked. I think she should have been up for that movie as well. So um, I, I love, love what, what everybody's doing in that film. Right on. All right, now we're up to for the three winners. Yes, three winners. Best Adapted Screenplay. Before Midnight by Richard Linklater, Julie Delpy, and Ethan Hawke. Captain Phillips by Billy Ray. Philomena by Steve Coogan and Jeff Pope. The Wolf of Wall Street by Terrence Winter. And the winner, 12 Years a Slave by John Ridley. I have seen all five of these films. Uh, feels good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you you know where I'm at here, you know. Um, Link later, before midnight is one of the best uh, trilogy ending movies of all time, and how that movie's not up for best picture is is so beyond me. Um, I was wow. waiting till we got I was waiting till we got here to talk about it. Well, how neither of them were ever up for acting for any of them is crazy to me. They're both so good in all three of these movies. Yeah, and it's not like they don't know who they are. You know, Ethan Hawke up for Training Day, but not any of the before movies. Like, okay, well, that makes zero sense. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Before Midnight is a there's stuff in that movie that is pretty much just timeless as far as you know relationships go, and uh, I think it would have been cool to give it the win to kind of sum up especially screenplay because a lot of it's a lot of words, a lot of crazy words being thrown. And I think it would be cool to kind of sum up that trilogy by giving the, it the gold for adapted, adapted screenplay. But this is, this is a good group. I would give the gold to before sunset. Okay. That's the, that's the second one, right? Yeah. Okay, good. That's my favorite one. I yeah. love the falling in love part of a relationship. The breakup is so fucking rough. And his breakup, Jesus Christ, that movie is emotionally devastating. And it's just like, I'd watch the first two again. I don't know if I'd watch this one again. It just hurts too much. That's fair. Yeah, I, it's, it's so tough. I love that trilogy, man. It's so good. I've been dying to get the Criterion trilogy uh, on, on DVD or Blu-ray. I don't really care either way. I, I just want it on my shelf really bad. I've been waiting. Waiting till I can, you know, just just snag it. Um, those movies are real important, and some of Linklater's best work. I yeah, I agree. Um, Captain Phillips is a tense fucking movie. Uh, very good. Don't know if its screenplay is its strongest attribute. I don't know if that really should be here. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can. I can get down with that. Um, 
this seems like kind of a classic throw to bone type type nomination. Yeah, for sure. Um, but offhand, I can't think of anything that should replace it because you know it's adapted. I don't know here what's based on a book, what's based on. Yeah, you have product. to. Yeah, you have to really. Uh, you would have to really do some research. It's not just straight off the dome. Yeah, with screenplay. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Totally get why why it's here. I bet adapting that book was a was tough. Like, what what can we do in a movie, and what is going to make this a porno? <laughs> like, what do we do? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, boy. Uh, Philomena is one of the most touching, devastating movies I've ever seen. And I, I'm, I, I think I would give it 100% to, to this, to Philomena. Okay. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. I'd say Philomena and Before Midnight would be my, my one and two. And then Wolf of Walsh. Yeah, this is a good group. Aside from Captain Phillips, I think there's, there's like a real race. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, that takes us to Best Supporting Actress. We have Sally Hawkins for Blue Jasmine, Jennifer Lawrence for American Hustle, Julia Roberts for August Osage County, June Squibb for Nebraska, and the winner, Lupita Nyong'o, 12 Years a Slave. To me, there is no competition here. Uh, Lupita had this in the bag from day one. This is, like obvious oh yeah not even close everybody else is like a pawn compared to what lupita's doing as patsy um she's she's lights lights the fuck out in that movie i love sally hawkins uh, jennifer lawrence she's decent i really like julie roberts in august Osage county and june squibb is is good but yeah this isn't this isn't a competition at all this is the most obvious oscar of the whole ceremony I haven't seen August Osage County or Blue Jasmine, so I can't judge those performances yet. Uh, I don't think Jennifer Lawrence should be here. I, I think her role in American Hustle is irritating and not very good, honestly. Uh, she gets on my nerves. Yeah, yeah. I get really annoyed when um, uh, she's cleaning, she's dusting to live and let die. I'm like, that, that, that doesn't do that song justice. You got to stop. <laughs> I'm going to be outside the box here and think Scarlett Johansson for her. I really like that. I think that's really cool. Um, yeah. yeah, that's, that's kind of dope. Yeah. Now on the other hand, the best actress group is five fucking monumental performers. <laughs> it's just, Good Lord. it's fucking crazy. Kate Blanchett winning, Amy Adams, Sandra Bullock, Judy Dench, and Meryl motherfucking Streep. You know, like that is as talented as it can get for for a single nominate, a uh, single category. Like, good God! <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Uh, I gotta see Blue Jasmine. I'm- yeah, you would like it because she's she's amazing. Kate Blanchett, and this is past due for her. You know, she's like she's one of the best actresses of our of our time. You know, Kate Blanchett can can do anything. There's so many films I've been putting off specifically because it's Woody Allen. Well, I'm mm. just like, I don't like, yeah. What is this going to be about like an older guy who's a genius hooking up with some younger <laughs> wannabe actress, writer slash reporter, whatever the fuck. Is that what this is going to be again? Uh, uh, I just don't know. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally totally get that. I saw that just off off chance. I, I I wasn't the one who put it on. I was at a friend's house and they put it on, and we were just kind of like, oh, it's gonna be background noise, and then I end up being like, well, this is this is pretty good. And Kate Blanchett is is really fucking good, and I'm glad I'm glad I see I'm glad I've seen it. Um, uh, Judy Dench man is is great in Philomena. Uh, she's what I like most about this group. You know, a- Amy, Sandra, I'm not a huge Sandra Bullock fan, but Meryl Streep as well. They kind of all do everything. They're all kind of cool with going out of their, going out of their, you know, prestige. I only do these kinds of movies. And they'll, they'll do like the big blockbuster. They'll do the, you know, fucking franchise stuff. They're like, I'll do it all. I'll put my foot in both camps and, and be dominant at it. And I, I really respect that. Yeah, me too. I like versatile actors who, go outside their wheelhouse to challenge themselves and these five actresses consistently do that oh yeah and, and amy adams she's she's been nominated six times it's coming it's coming that she she cannot become the next you know the, the person of our generation who doesn't get anything and gets you know fucking nine nominations and nothing to show for she will win yeah the peter o'toole that's what they're that's what i call I, yeah i i can't i don't even, I, I don't even want her to think about that i want <laughs> i want her to win so bad it'll happen we're gonna we're gonna see that that'll happen um all right finally best picture Oof. 12 years a slave wins against american hustle captain phillips dallas buyers club gravity her nebraska philomena and the wolf of wall street we have ranked these <laughs> yes yes we have ranked these all nine so this is what we do here you know and um last time we did 2007 yeah uh very different you know there's only five films and goes a little quicker so bear with us here we got nine movies to go back and forth about um i'm interested to see you know i, I think we'll have a couple similarities but i think there's gonna be key key differences which is always fun so let's hear your number nine my number nine is american hustle same yeah so there was a like four-year period where david o russell was king of the world and i i don't really understand why he's a prick a short fused asshole who is like he uses intimidation tactics on set like there's videos of him screaming at people like he's just i don't i don't get why everyone was so quick to give him a second chance and it's not like the work is any better for it like the fighter is good silver linings playbook is good american hustle is okay joy is okay and then he vanished (laughs) uh and american hustle is not up to snuff i think it's a dull movie at times with cliched characters and kind of a predictable outcome Um, i fell asleep i woke up mid like during the credits and had to rewind the movie (laughs) i understand that no yeah, this this one's um yeah, I, I loved it the first time I saw it in theaters. I was, you know, I was I, we were we were 18 when these movies came out. You know, I have I have changed I've changed dramatically just in my movie fandom. I've seen way more obviously since then. And yeah, this is this is oh my god, so cliche and so just kind of like I'm gonna use tropes that have been used for fucking 60 years, you know, and rely on my stars to get us to, to the finish line that just i just can't stand that um i love actors i love watching people that, that are stars perform and do their thing 
but not not at the expense of me watching a movie that's not coherent and not good and it does it does things that just fucking bother me that i've 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 watched other filmmakers that it's it's the, you know filmmakers are truly truly admire you know the, the tarantinos the paul thomas anderson's spike lee's guys like that they're so wholly original and so committed to their own to their own vision i feel like david o. russell is constantly trying to emulate what he's seen in the past and i i i think there's a fine line and i think i think he doesn't know where it is and i am not a huge fan of silverling's playbook and i'm not a huge fan of joy fighter christian bale is carrying the fuck out of that movie melissa leo is also carrying a good bit of weight i don't think he's a good director i just don't think he i give anybody nine stars and they're gonna make a film that's gonna make some money and it's gonna do fine and it might be up for some fucking Oscars, but that doesn't mean shit, you know. Uh, like, I, I'm 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 kind of tired of the guy, quite frankly. Same same as you. And this movie w- has the most nominations at the whole ceremony with ten. Doesn't win anything, but ten nominations. Like, okay, well, are you kidding me? Like, that's just kind of crazy to me. So I, I th- yeah, I think it's like the worst kind of Oscar bait. And uh, I don't know, gets a gets like a five or a six for me. Just not good. Well, I found out the film is fairly co- incoherent because he let everybody improvise the whole time and change the script accordingly. Yeah, no like, thanks. That's a terrible idea. Yeah. Like, yeah, so no, I don't care for David O. Russell. I'm done with him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I, th- I, I think if I'm not mistaken, he had, he's supposed to have a movie coming out this year. Yeah, I looked into it. It's a loaded cast as usual. Uh, no script, no title yet. I, I will see it just to be like, I told you, <laughs> you know, just to be that guy who's like, I told you, he doesn't have it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll go into it already not liking it. No, I shouldn't do that. I, I'll, I'll, I'll always watch things that I think are going to be kind of, um, you know, in some way part of this kind of a conversation maybe not in theaters or something but i'll always check it out give it a chance um you know I've, I've seen all those movies we were just talking about and given them all multiple chances i've seen joy more than once like that's me giving you a chance you know and and you fucking bite me in the ass too many times so <laughs> we'll see we'll see what happens next but yeah that's that's definitely number nine i think it's pretty clear that that one would get cut first um number eight what do you got gravity oh okay here's a big difference <laughs> yeah it's it's nothing to do with alfonso's direction or sandra bullock's performance it's just that the film is fairly dull after you've seen it once one okay. like if you know that she's going to make it out alive if you know that it's going to be all right it starts to be kind of a race to the clock or a race against the clock and i'm just I, I I wanted to like it so much. I love the music. I love the cinematography. The sound design's fantastic. It deserved every win it got. But it's just not a film I'm probably ever going to watch again. Because I I know what's going to happen. There's a few films in, that I've seen that are just like, if you already know the twist or the ending, it's like, why bother? Yeah, that's totally fair. I'm like that with uh, Usual Suspects. Yeah. Just like, yeah. First time I saw it, I thought it was a fucking masterpiece, you know, this classic. And then I watched it again. And I was like, oh, it kind of takes a bit, a bit of the pull away. Uh, I, I get that. I hear that. I think, again, I'm a, I'm a sucker for Quorum. 
his his craftsmanship is is so singular and for me like second to none and like over and over just because of that uh and you know i'm not i'm not a big sandra bullock kind of kind of fan you know so it's saying a lot when Coron can can take that you know take that kind of kind of kind of actress that i'm not crazy about and make a movie that that i am crazy about and um i'm proud to own that one and yeah i'll be talking about it later yeah <laughs> <laughs> nice uh my, my, my number eight is uh, Captain Phillips. Uh, okay. I like this movie. I think it's pretty good. I think it's a, I think it's a decent flick. I think uh, it's got, got some good stuff going for it, but overall it's not a, it's not up to, it's not up to for my, in my mind, it's not up to like best picture par, you know, it's not a film that jumps off the page to me. It's not like, Whoa, Oh my God, you have to see this. Uh, I think it's good. I think it's a good entertaining film. I've seen I've caught it a couple times on uh, just like on um you know like the HBO or Stars channels late at night and I'm like, yeah, why not? Fuck it, you know? Like it's just entertaining. It's an 8. It's an 8 out of 10 for me. It's a good movie, but I'm not I'm not necessarily writing home about it. So, uh that's why it's my number 8. Fair enough. I get it. Uh the rest of my films are all 8s, so it's kind of depends on the day. This this could all change. Uh, I, yeah, I feel that. I feel that. But as of tonight, uh, my number seven is Nebraska. Okay, that's my number seven too. Yeah, right on. Yeah. It's uh, it's a fine movie. It's, it's you know worth a, a few chuckles. Uh, it's a g- cool concept, good story, good characters, but fairly forgettable. Uh, especially up against the rest of these films and performances, I just I feel like a guy trying to find out if you want to sweepstakes is not all that uh, exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there are times when I, when, you know, with a movie like Nebraska, I'm like, Oh, that's cute. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I, I definitely understand that, that, that thinking uh, I do. I do like some of the decisions that it, that it makes. And I do like when films like this are highlighted or spotlighted. Um, Cause it's not always about, I kind of like lower stakes in movies. You know, I like when a movie's like more relatable, like, Oh, this could happen to me or this could happen to my dad. This could happen to my grandfather or whatever, you know? Um, yeah. I, I do, I do enjoy that, that part of it. And I enjoy the weird chemistry that we got out of it between Forte and, and Derek. It's like, what, who would have fucking thought, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. I do like that about it, but I'm, I'm with you. It's not a, it's not a surefire best picture nominee every year, you know, so for that, it, it goes to kind of the back of the list, but um, that one's very close to Captain Phillips for seventh and eighth for me. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, so that was your seven as well. Yes. All right. My six is her. Wow. Okay. I know. <laughs> oh boy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh- <laughs> I love I have, that. <laughs> I have no problem with this movie. I think this is a great movie. It's a great love story. Joaquin is great. Scarlett Johansson is great. Amy Adams is great. It's hard to sell this to people. <laughs> I've said so. I've tried to get so many people to watch this with me, and they're like, "Dude falls in love with his phone. Fuck that." Yeah, I've had that conversation <laughs> countless times. Yeah, and you watch, and you're like, "Yeah, this. It's weird. It's it's hard sell," and. I just like the rest of these films better. It's no, it's no beef. It's just, it's a middle ground film for me. 
Okay. I hear that. I'll be talking about that one later too. Um, I know. I figured. Uh, my number six is Philomena. Um, Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> from from here from here on out, I really fucking dig these movies. These top six, I really fucking dig. And Philomena is is one that could kind of change spots with five and four uh, on on any given day. The top three are pretty locked in. Um, gosh, you know, talk about a film that you look at the poster and you're like, eh, whatever. And then you dive in, you dive in, you know, you don't judge a book by its cover. You dive in, you get, you mentioned earlier, Steve Coogan not being nominated. What the fuck? <laughs> like, you, you get this pretty, pretty wildly heartfelt movie that is going to tug at the heartstrings the way you want an Oscar movie too. And I think it belongs in this kind of conversation and I really enjoy it. Um, uh, I, I, I bonded with this movie bonded with my mom over this movie so it'll always kind of hold a special place we both really liked it when it came out and uh have talked about it since so that's really cool and i i, I yeah this this is a, this is a good film i suggest people check it out for themselves if if i could guess i would say this is the one that, that people have seen the least out of this group and uh, that's yeah. wrong that's a fair assumption yeah uh i have a, i have a similar story to tell about about that movie uh, later on. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Uh, my number five is Captain Phillips. Okay. This I, I talked earlier, you know, with Gravity losing punch after the first time. Captain Phillips does not have that. Captain Phillips, you go watch this movie a dozen times, and you're still like, "When's he gonna get shot?" <laughs> like this is, it's a, it's everyone's at the boiling point the whole time. Rocket Abdi for a a guy they just found is so good he is so scary yeah and you just buy tom hanks's shock the whole time there's a scene towards the end when he is recovered and he has a moment of like what what happened like is is he okay and he's like falling apart he just starts crying because the the realization is setting in of everything that's just happened to him and it's just like you start feeling that too like i can't believe he got out of this and it's just such a tense fucking Paul Greengrass is so good at replicating real life tense situations and I think this is one of his best so number five I like that I like that yeah it's that's well well put man I I agree with you I think it is 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 one of those kind of odd rewatchable movies that you can dive back in and you're you're going to be kind of like okay this is uncomfortable I like this you know (laughs) I like I like this thrilling type 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 feeling that I have right now so yeah Good call, man. Good call. I, I can dig it. I, f- I figure I figured you connected to that one a little bit more than I did. It's it's definitely a Connor kind of movie. Uh, <laughs> Greengrass is underrated, I'd say. Yeah, uh, that's your number five. Yes. Okay, my number five is Dallas Buyers Club. Okay. God, I really like this movie. Fuck, you know. Uh, I remember seeing this in theaters and just kind of being amped to be a movie fan. Um, being amped about like random stuff in movies. Like I think there's a couple of needle drops in this movie. I think there's a couple of, you know, random shots. You know, there's little things in Dallas Barrage Club that I, I really like and really have still stuck with me today. And God, Matthew McConaughey at the forefront as Ron Woodruff um, playing this guy, you know, who, who gets AIDS, right? And just the 
just kind of the the fucking disdain that his you know quote unquote friends have uh, around him. You know, just the way he deals with that and the way he kind of takes it head on. Um, I think it. I think the landing gets a little choppy. I think the last 10, 15 minutes of, of the movie are they don't quite know where to just to, to stick the landing. But I God, I love the journey. I love the journey getting there. And that 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 initial, you know, 10, 15 minutes watching Matthew McConaughey just kind of like he's just he's so thin. You know, he lost so much weight for that role and he's just kind of fucking losing his mind, you know, and partying and um it's it's just a different kind of time uh for for a texan you know rodeo guy and and i I really dig it i I really dig this movie it's it's one that i've watched many many times probably second to uh i mentioned earlier wolf of wall street's the one i've seen the most dallas bars club's probably second i've seen that movie so many times I, i i just really dig it and i'm willing to hear some of the criticism about it but i i i just kind of always end up sticking to my guns and being like well i enjoy it it's entertaining so um that's that and i think i think it's a proper best picture nominee well it's my number four perfect uh dallas buyers club uh i watched this for the first time when we did that episode you were talking about earlier where i had to marathon all the ones i hadn't seen yet from the 2010s Mm. oscars so dallas buyers club was one of those films and i love a good redemption story I love a story where a guy realizes he was an asshole and tries to be a better person. And that's very much at the core of this movie is Ron mm-hmm. Woodruff realizing that he was, you know, a homophobic. He was, he had the same, the same uh, thoughts about AIDS and he fights, he fights that he stands up for, for Jared Leto a couple times. He tries to be a better person. Uh, and it's just a, you know, it also skewers the uh, the healthcare system in America. Now, fuck that is. Uh, it tells it hits all the right buttons for me, and yeah. uh, I like when a movie can do that. It's a true story. Love true stories. Redemption arc. Got it. You know, fuck the system. It's got that. Like it's it's everywhere, and yeah. it's just I. It's hard not to get engaged. It's like brilliantly written, well directed. It's a very engaging story, and. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Uh, yeah. I remember when you knocked that one out, I knew that was going to be one that just kind of you connected with. So very cool. So that's your number four. Yes. My number four is gravity. Alfonso Cron. Uh, yeah. I mean, we've talked about it a lot during this episode. I, I respect the hell out of Cron. He's one of my favorite filmmakers of all time. And uh, gravity is a feat, you know, it's a total feat. I'm, 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 I'm with you. It, it loses some of its punch. Uh, but I, I, I'm, again, I'm so obsessed with his craftsmanship and so obsessed with his, his touch and what he's able to do with the film. And his patience is another thing I like a lot. So um, it's not my favorite Cron movie, but it is, it is, it is good. Very good. Uh, and from here on out, my, my top three are pretty, pretty set in stone, but yeah, you could change. Fires Club, Gravity, uh, Philomena. I think those three are kind of interchangeable in my mind. Fair enough. Gravity definitely has its its people. I get that. And I'm, you know, I'm a hard sell. I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a hard sell. That's great. Uh, yeah, I got no. Yeah, I, I understand it. Gravity is a well-constructed film. Uh, it's 
it's almost a horror movie. Uh, yeah, it's very seeing that in theaters was like, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> fucking fucking frightening. And I, I'm not a huge you know space movie kind of guy, but god damn it, when it's used correctly, it can freak you out. Yeah, it almost stopped my cousin from wanting to be an astronaut. <laughs> yeah, I can I can get that being just completely cut off and like floating. Yeah, is is, yeah. is not a fun not a fun um, sensation to have frightening and the balls to just kill off George Clooney like that like wow so it's got its moments it's definitely it's not a bad movie by any stretch that would be my Deacons if we ever did gravity <laughs> that scene would probably be my Deacons that, oh. because it's it's so fucking tense <laughs> yeah Jesus <laughs> my number three is the Wolf of Wall Street okay uh Another film that is hard to watch with family and friends. <laughs> yes. It's a rough. I took a friend to see this who I really wanted to date. And I was like, this is probably the closest I'm going to get. So Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, as soon as the movie opens with Leo snorting coke out of a hooker's ass, I'm like, okay. And this is three hours long. Oh, and then somewhere around the dwarf tossing, um, she turned to me and said, this movie is awesome. And I'm like, <laughs> I immediately was like, all the nerves went away. And I'm like, yes, it is. You know what? Yeah, it is awesome. <laughs> and I just enjoyed it. Uh, this is one of the craziest fucking movies ever made. Uh, if you want to have, a, if you want to show anybody in a foreign country, a film that represents the United States of America, I think, I don't think you could do much better than this, honestly. <laughs> like, the real America is here. <laughs> it's, yeah, this is where your tax dollars are going. This is, this is where the, yeah, unreal. Uh, it's got some unbelievable moments. Like, the whole super quaalude scene is etched into my head. It's unbelievably funny. Cerebral palsy stage, yeah. <laughs> Where they're just crawling around, like just groaning yeah. at one another. And then he sees Popeye on the TV and he's like, <gasps> just fucking losing his mind. Oh, God, I love Wall Street with all my heart. <laughs> I get it, man. It's crazy. And I love the, you know, the drama behind it, the whole like, sell me this pen thing. Like, there's a lot of great lessons in fucking people in this movie oh yeah yeah if you could use this as a blueprint to just become a complete asshole it's it's a man i'm sure people have uh yeah it's hard to argue with with the merits of this thing it's i'd I'm, i'd be hard pressed to find anybody who doesn't like think this is at least fun yeah i'm i'm totally with you on that uh i'll be talking about that one shortly <laughs> my number three is 12 years a slave okay uh, Obviously, we've talked about it quite a bit. The feat that it is, and you know, some of the you know the obviously tough uh, material that's 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 in, that's within it. And we're going to give awards out to it here in a little bit once we're done with our rankings. And I am looking forward to kind of seeing what sticks out to you the most, and being able to talk about what sticks out to me the most. But uh, this is a this is a fucking incredible piece of piece of filmmaking, and. 
it's got that Oscar bait stuff to it, but it's also fucking going for it. You know, it's really going for it. Um, and while it has that little bit of, you know, kind of white savior shit at the end, it it's pretty much sticking to its guns the whole way, you know, it's sticking to its guns. And I, I do, I do at the end of the day, if you were to ask me, do I like this movie or do I have problems with it? I would say I like it, you know, and I think there's conversations to be had about, about all of it, like the way we started this episode, I I always love doing that kind of stuff. Just kind of, again, putting a movie on the chopping block and talking about it. But it is very good, and I I understand why it won uh, best pick. But in my book, I think there's a couple others that are just just a little little bit uh, overall a little bit stronger. And that's hard to say about the subject material. You know, it's hard to compare fucking Twelve Years a Slave to Wolf of Wall Street, but that's what we do here. Yeah. 12 Years a Slave is my number two. Mm. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it's I, number one. I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, it'll make, I promise it'll make sense. Uh, so 12 Years a Slave is a phenomenal film. It's uh, I get why it won Best Picture. Not going to argue that. It's, uh, but it's a rough fucking watch. It's, it's hard to watch this film and not feel repulsed. Uh, so with that, you know, I can tell you, I can guarantee you, this is the last time I'm ever going to watch this movie. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's just, it's not a comfort thing for me. It's not, it's not a, it doesn't put me in a happy place. It, it makes me just upset about the way of the world and I don't like going there. Uh, so at least the film that I, that I picked for my number one, Gives me hope. Mm. And I like hope. Yeah. Hope. Hope can hope can set you free, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I hear that. I hear that a lot. Uh, I, I think I think that is important sometimes when you're looking at a movie that you're going to call the best and kind of recommend to a lot of people is how is it going to make them feel? How is it going to, you know, you don't want to just be like, everything's fine and pat them on the back. But you also don't want to be like, everything's fucked, you know? And there, I think there's, I, I just like with everything, there's a line, um, a fascinating conversation that could go on forever. Um, so that's your number two. My number two is Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I can't, I can't hide my excitement when I get to talk about this movie. It's close to a 10 for me. I've seen it so many times. You know, what holds it back from being a 10 is Martin Scorsese's inability uh, to, to provide uh, a good soundtrack in this movie. The songs are good, but are you kidding me? At one point, there's a there's a shot of a yacht and Foo Fighters is playing. It's like, um, I don't know about this, buddy. I don't think you're in your Goodfellas days anymore. You know, uh, uh, Marty, you're getting old. <laughs> come on, come on, my man. Maybe maybe go up to Leo and be like, hey, is this is this the right thing to do here? Maybe ask Jonah Hill, who's you know younger. Hey man, you, you think playing the Foo Fighters pretender is the right thing to do here while we're having this fucking over, you know, huge overshot of a yacht in the middle of the ocean? I don't think so. So um, <laughs> there are touches in Wolf Wall Street that are just like, what the fuck? This guy's getting old. But it's at the end of the day, a three hour entertaining piece of work that has Leo losing his goddamn mind the whole time. And I think his, his you know, his scene as Jordan Belfort when he's in his office and he's, you know, banging the microphone on his head and he looks like, looks like a shark 
And he's like, I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> it's going to take a wrecking ball to get me out of here. Like, I think that scene is, I, I just don't think we have many actors who can pull that off. Um, pretty much ever. I, I just don't think there's a lot of people who can rival him in that kind of deranged style of acting where he's, he, he really looks like he's on a lot of drugs. Um, I love the scene on the airplane when he's strapped to the strapped to the chair and he wakes up and Jonah Hill's like petting his face and he's like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be, he's like, you got to get me out of here, man. <laughs> I'm losing, I'm losing my shit. He's like, why am I in this? He's like, you tried to fuck the, the flight attendant. <laughs> he's like, did I, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, the scene where on, when they're on the boat and he's like, get the lewds, Donnie. I will not die sober. <laughs> <laughs> I love all that stuff. I've seen I've seen this movie so many times. Uh, it's it's the movie that my fiance and I, Brianna, have seen together the most by by so far. Uh, it's a movie we both just think is so funny and puts us in a puts us in kind of a happy mood. So I love that that we can bond over that. And there are those random movies that you just you just kind of need to lean on every now and again. That's great, man. Yeah, I love that you have that kind of connection to this wacky. Fucking yeah, because <laughs> yeah, when I saw when I saw it in theaters, I was with like I was with my uh, my two older brothers, one of my friends, and and my dad went with us. And my dad's always been a good sport about you know, all right, we're going to the movies. There's probably going to be stuff in there that's not you know great for everybody to see. But during this movie, I looked at him a couple times, like, um, are you are you watching this? And he was just he was just laughing. So I was like, okay, we're fine. He's having fun. he's having fun. So I'm having fun. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody in my family has watched this. Uh, they just don't want to. They know <laughs> how fucking crazy it is, and they're just like, we don't want to see that. I'm like, all right, fine. You're missing out, but fine. Yeah, you're missing out on one of the best movies from 2013. But you know, suit yourself. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. With Wolfie, that. Wolfie, Wolfie. <laughs> and the cast the cast is is crazy in that one yeah i could go I, we're, it's going to be an episode one day I, I love it so much i crunched those numbers up those are rookie numbers <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah talking about jerking off because you're working on wolf you're working on wall street now and he's like you got to keep things you got to get the blood below the belt <laughs> God, <laughs> these fucking animals and kyle chandler as the as the you know the uh, detective the investigator who's, who's going into jordan's stuff he is amazing in that movie you know he's he's underrated that guy uh, and the scene when they're on the yacht together and he's like he's like you know what i call these fun coupons <laughs> have have fun riding on that bus home to your miserable fucking wives <laughs> oh man leo oh. give him the oscar he should have won he should have won yeah God damn. that's when i gotta I, I gotta watch that again i gotta revisit this movie we'll we'll do it on here one day man don't worry <laughs> beautiful um with that my number one is philomena yes man we, uh, both, we both we both went different directions here on our number ones yeah <laughs> yes we did i love it i think it's uh, great this is a movie uh, that me and my grandma bonded on. Uh, she is a big Judy Dench fan, and she knew this story. And when I told her I'd watched it, she lit up and was like, what did you think? And I talked about it. And I was like, this is a heartbreaking tale. 
but so beautiful uh, yeah. about one woman's endless quest to find out what happened to her son who was taken away from her as a baby by the psycho nuns she was forced to live with who punished her for having a child out of wedlock. So they took the baby away from her and never told her what happened to him, which is some sadistic shit to do to a human being. Uh, and um, Steve Coogan plays the uh, writer who discovers his story and helps Philomena try to find her son. And of course, it's not, you know, it doesn't end up the way everybody expects. It's, it's a dark finale, but you get the sense that she's going to be okay. She got closure and she's just so optimistic and upbeat about the whole thing. She trusts in her faith and in, you know, the life that she's led. And it's just, how do you not find comfort in that? It's such a mm. beautiful story of human endurance. I mean, uh, endurance. And I just think it, it got overlooked and I, I would have loved to have seen this beautiful little story come home with the best picture win. God. I love that band. That's really cool. Uh, it makes me want to rewatch it. You know, just kind of your your passion for it is really cool, and that's some of the best kind of stories to tell. Are you mentioned the best word to to describe it is endurance? Um, that sometimes the only thing to do or the best thing to do is just put your next foot forward and keep keep it moving. You know, because uh, sometimes if you give in to Oh, like, like they, like, uh, fucking Solomon says in 12 years of slavery, you give in to despair. Like you're, you're fucked. You are fucked. Yeah. Um, and that, that can be applicable to a lot of situations. And with Philomena, you know, it is this, it's this small feeling film, which I love, you know, it's like, it's, it doesn't need a whole lot going for it. It's just a good enough story to get by good enough performances to get by. And I love that. Yeah, man, it's, I love hope. I love when people can be faced with the darkest shit and still find a way to fight through it because something is keeping them alive. Something is keeping them going. It's, it's powerful. It's the most powerful thing you can, you can have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Well said, man. I love that. Uh, yeah. I like that. We both went a route that was like real personal. And for me, it's a, uh, it's her. Uh, Spike Spike Jones, her. I adore this movie. Um, it is you mentioned earlier, very hard to sell to people. <laughs> it's, it's about uh, none other than Joaquin Phoenix, who wasn't nominated, and that just feels really silly. Uh, I was waiting to kind of mention him when we were talking about the best actor category to talk about it now. Um, he was nominated the year before for the master. It's like, okay, but why not this? I don't like when they do that. When it's like directly right after a year later, he does something just as good. Uh, and, and so different, you know, he's showing his range with those two movies. Uh, and you know, it's about him falling in love with a artificially intelligent, you know, voice, virtual assistant voice, uh, by Scarlett Johansson. And, it's not so much that, like that, that plainly that like, Oh, you're, you, you like that one. That one's really weird. It's, 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 it's more the writing for Spike Jones and the delivery from Spike Jones that I admire with all of my heart. And I think, I think it takes a special kind of a uh, special kind of fan to really latch onto this one because 
you do have to get over that. The, the, the plot is what it is. But I like, I like when movies are, what else is like this? You know, you know, like there's nothing else to really compare to it. You know, her is in its own category. And I love that about it. I respect movies that do that and do it well. It's, it's labeled as like a sci-fi romantic comedy. Like, fuck yeah. Like sign me up for that. Cause you know, it's, it's in the near future, you know, LA looks, looks different, but it's not very, it's not very crazy, you know? Uh, so I, I, I just think, I think, I think it does really well on all those, all those fronts, the production design, the costume design, all those things. It's kind of this, this modern, modern touch on Los Angeles, uh, uber modern touch on, on Los Angeles. And I, I think that's really, it was filmed there on location. A lot, a lot, a lot of stuff was, you know, built by, by this, by this team, by this production team. And I've read a lot about this movie and Spike Jones went to great lengths to make sure that this looked the way it did. And, and I, I love it. And um, I have to mention one of my kind of uh, artistic inspirations and someone that I look up to and I didn't realize he looked up to me till, you know, in the past couple of years is one of my friends, Matt Stepter. And um, he's a few years older than me, but he's like, you don't realize, you know, you, there's a lot of stuff that you've, you've seen a lot of stuff that you like that you just, you just fucking attack it. And uh, he's like, I admire that about you. And I'm like, well, I admired that about you when I was younger, you know, cause he's my brother's, he's my older brother's friend. And I remember when he saw this movie in theaters, he said, that's my favorite piece of art ever. And I was like, I have to see this, you know, cause this guy fucking admired the shit out of it, you know? And I was like, okay, I'm, I, I feel, I felt like I understood him more. And that's one of my favorite things about movies ever since I've seen her is when someone loves something and maybe you've already seen it or listened to it or looked at it. If you hear their passion for it and then you watch it again, it just, it speaks volumes. So I, I'm going to do that with Philomena because I hear, I hear your, your passion for it. And I think that's one of the best things we can do with movies is share them with each other. Even if you've already seen it, you might feel differently about it. And uh, I learned that with her. You know, I learned that with Matt Stepter back when I was 18 years old. And I was like, whoa, like art really can impact someone that strongly where it bleeds over to me. That's cool. <laughs> like, that's something I want to be a part of every fucking day. <laughs> that's why I'm on Letterboxd. That's why I hang out with you and talk to you about movies. You know, that's, that's why I am fascinated by uh, Caleb and Josh and their admiration for horror movies. Hearing them talk about it makes me want to see it again or, or watch it for the first time. And that's the best feeling in the world. That's fucking beautiful, man. I, I love that. That's, that's powerful. I, I totally get that. I've experienced that many times on this show through you, man. Uh, I will definitely watch her again and see if I, if anything pops a little bit more. Yeah. That's- and I'll, I'll watch Philomena cause I'm sure I'll be thinking about you and your grandma. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. Yeah. We definitely went opposite directions, but ended up in a very similar place. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think we have, yeah, we have some similarities here. Uh, we both have American Hustle last, um, and we both went real personal there at the end. Uh, and we have, what was your number three? Uh, my number three was The Wolf of Wall Street. And my number three is 12 Years a Slave, and my two is Wolf of Wall Street. So we flipped those. Yeah. Um, your number eight, uh, Nebraska? Gravity. Gravity. Uh, my number eight is Captain Phillips. Your number seven? 
Nebraska. Nebraska. Same here. Uh, my number six is Philomena, and your six was her. Her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. What the fuck? Uh, and then number five, mine was Dallas Buyers Club. Captain Phillips. Captain Phillips. And then I had Gravity Four, and you Dallas. had Dallas Buyers Club. Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty. That's weird how they're kind of interconnected in a weird way where you have Phil, you have her six and I have Philomena six and we both have one, you know, just flipped them. It's like you're buttoning a coat, but you missed one and it buttons the wrong way, but you still button the coat. Yeah. You're still, you're good. You can go outside. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Very cool. Yeah. That was, that was, a, that was, a, that was an interesting countdown for sure. It's a weird, weird group of movies, but there's definitely stuff to offer. I, um, I give her Wolf Wall Street and 12 Years a Slave a nine. And then from there, it's eights up until American Hustle, which is, yeah, like a six, maybe. I don't know. American Hustle and Gravity both get sevens. Everything else has an eight. I like that. That's good. Nice and clean. <laughs> what, so, so Philomena, what holds it back from being higher? What, what you know, from being you know, a nine? I know, yeah. I know that's a special place for you to go. Yeah. You know, I don't really know. But I'm sure once I watch it again, I'll find out. Yeah. And how, how many times have you seen it? Just once. Just that once. That's how powerful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's cool as hell. Yeah. I, I, I think I'll watch it again just, just to see what it does to me again. There's some movies, movies I want to go back in and be like, what am I going to feel this time? Oh, yeah. Fucking A, man. I. That's... I. I love rewatching stuff just as much as I love watching something for the first time. Rewatching something, it can it can take you to these great great heights where you you really need that second watch to properly properly you know you you're either revalidating everything you thought or you're tearing some of it down and realizing oh shit I was wrong yep. and. That's one of the best things you can do as like a, as someone who wants to critique something and someone who wants to talk about stuff on a podcast, you, you have to be able to tear, you have to be able to peel the layers, you know, and that, that's, that's huge. You know, um, I think that's why we both try really hard. Um, you know, this is a different scenario when it's nine movies, it's pretty hard to watch them all. But when it's something like 2007, we were both took it upon ourselves. Like we need to rewatch and watch all of these. And uh, no matter how much time has taken in, in between. And that will always be the case. When we do, ha- when we have five movies, we are both going to pretty much rewatch them or watch them for the first time, no matter what. Uh, when it's these, these more recent years and then those years way back in the day when it was, you know, nine, 10, whatever. Uh, it's just hard. It's just hard. It's daunting. It's like, oh, fuck. I, I, how am I going to fit all these movies in with all the other stuff I watch? Yeah, man, it's, it's hard sometimes juggling all these, you know, a lot of work on the show and grad school and social life. It's, it's tough, man. It's really tough, but we make it work. Yeah, we do. We do our best. And uh, here's, here's another thing I love doing every week is giving out awards to a specific film, really find out what you think about it. And uh, with 12 years of slave, we're going to be giving out uh, our Tarantino award. For best quote, we're going to be giving out the Ennio Morricone Award for best music moment. And we're going to be giving out Philip Seymour Hoffman Award for best performance, which I think is pretty clear. And then uh, we're going to give out the Roger Deakins Award for best scene of the movie. So take it away with your Tarantino. I have two lines. 
um, one from Edwin Epps and one from Bass. There's a line uh, when the caterpillars tear down Edwin Epps' crop. And he has a moment of like Christian self-reflection. And he says to himself, what have I done that God hates me so? And I wanted to reach through my screen and throttle this motherfucker. <laughs> like it's not, it doesn't even occur to him as a sin, as something bad. Like it's completely a blind spot to him. And all these Southern sons of bitches, it, uh, it baffles me, man. Yeah. Baffles, baffles is, is definitely, definitely the right word there. Uh, and, it, but it's, you know, it's purposely put there by, by John Ridley, by Steve McQueen to just be like, this guy thinks what he's doing is right. It's not, it's not even that it's right. It's that it's just part of the world. Like he doesn't consider yeah. it right or wrong. It's just his property. Yeah. And he says other stuff to, to Bass where you're like, Oh my God, this guy's so delusional. You know, uh, he's so wrapped up in it. It's, yeah. it's fucking scary. And the scariest part is that he was not one of the odd ducks. He was, that's, that was the norm of the, the American slave owner was that kind of sadistic shit. It's, oh God. Anyway, my other line is from Bass during the scene where he's talking to Epps and he says, there is an ill, Mr. Epps, a fearful ill resting upon this nation and there will be a day of reckoning yet. Mm. God damn. And I, I don't think we've had that day of reckoning, but it's coming. One day, shit's going to blow up. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Like, there's, <clears throat> there is a point where you, you know, you you go at you know a snake's head so many times, and it's going to come back and bite you at some point. And um, I I always go back to one of my favorite movie lines of all time is from Philip Baker Hall and Magnolia when he says, "We're through with the past, but the past ain't through with us." You know, and that's that's just the truth with stuff like this. Just the truth and. You can't, you can't just poke the bear over and over and over without some kind of reaction. And you know, we're, I think we're, you and I, the age we're in, we're we're like, we're witnessing some of it. You know, we're witnessing people saying like, "No, I'm fucking tired of being treated this way," and doing doing something about it. So it's it's a, a crazy time to be to be to be alive, but also sometimes I like invigorate and beautiful to see people standing up for what they believe in. And um, I love that. I love that about this country. It's also what's scary about it. You know, it's hard peeling back the layers of, of propaganda and whitewashing that we've been fed our whole lives and seeing the real beast within it's, it's a frightening realization. And then to kind of have to reevaluate the way you see the world based on what you're now realizing it's, it's tough. And it makes you disillusioned at times. It makes you upset at times, but ultimately you have to reconcile it with the way you live your life and do what you can to be a better person. Mm. Gosh, man. Fucking crazy. You know, there's, there's so many lines in this, in, in this movie that, that you could choose for, for, for this, just that kind of represent, just how dark something can be or how hopeful something can be. Like you have to hold on to that. Um, I, I ended up going with like one of the more, more famous lines 
that I even mentioned just a little bit ago. And it's when Eliza is, uh, Eliza and Solomon are bought at the same time by Ford, played by Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, and when Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Ford, buys both of them, can't believe I'm just like saying this, uh, uh, you know, it's just weird. Yeah. When he buy when he buys them from uh, I can't remember body's character's name. Um, I can't remember. It, it escapes me. Uh, Eliza has two children, and uh, he's like, "Well, no, like I need I need the two children." And the reasons he says are, are very, very, very dark. And uh, so he's like, "Okay, I'll take I'll take Platt and Eliza," which is Solomon's fucking made up name for the movie. Uh, and or well, not for the movie, for his for his real life. And uh, shortly after, you know, they show them on the on the plantation, and Eliza's you know screaming and wailing and crying for her kids, and um, you know Solomon's like, you you got to be quiet, like you have to be quiet. You know, you're you're gonna make this work worse for yourself. And they start arguing a little bit, and. He says, he finally kind of just snaps and screams at her and is like, I will not fall into despair. I will keep myself hardy until freedom is opportune. And I always, always, that, that's kind of like a tagline for the movie, right? For, for Solomon's character that he's, he's a guy who's been free before and he's so determined to get back, to get back to that place. Um, for Eliza and for a lot of these characters, character, these people, uh, this is their reality. This is what, this is, this is what's happening. This is going to be their life. But for him, he's kind of, he's our, this is again, going back to what we talked about at the very beginning of the episode where he's kind of quote unquote, our hero. And the guy who's like, no, he's got to get back to that place. And his, his mindset is so much different than everybody else. You know, there, there is a despair. There is like a acceptance of just being fucked, you know, this is just what's happening. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get out of this. And that difference between him and the other slaves he's around is really, really crazy to think about. And kind of what the movie hinges upon is his desire to get back, to be, get back to what he once was. Well, you know, to have, to have, you know, be born a free man and to have it ripped away from yeah. you is I can't fathom it. I can't under, I can't understand ever having that happen, but you know, to a lot of these people, slavery was the only life they knew they were born yeah. into. They were bred to be slaves. And I'm sure it's hard to understand that there is an alternative anywhere in the country. That is the same country. That's crazy to me that in New York, He's, you know, he has a family, he's walking around, he's going, he's doing stuff. 2,000 miles down south, he's getting whipped and drowned and hanged, and it's the same place. I still, I, I can't fathom that sometimes. Like, the unbelievable yeah. difference between the American North and South at that time. <laughs> I, I think about it now, you know, I think about the differences in demographics currently in our country, and it's just it's so wild how different some of the cultures are across, across our, our 50 States. And in some places you feel this like genuine acceptance. And then some places you feel a very serious divide. And, you know, we live in Texas, so 
we see that we see both we see both sides of that yes unfortunately yeah god damn um and your morricone award yeah this is um this is this was actually really tough for me to choose i thought i thought there were some incredible pieces of music in, in this movie yeah the score is brilliant um i mean yeah it's it's mr zimmer so you know there it is um uh, I knew what it was the moment it happened. It's the initial boat ride to Georgia. Okay. Uh, the foreboding, the terror, the horror. It's a horror score in that moment. It's Solomon being captured and taken to hell itself. It is an absolutely terrifying bit of music and just puts you in the mindset of absolute horror. God. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, Hans Zimmer is so good at uh, transporting you. Yes, as a viewer, properly transporting you as a viewer from from not knowing, from the unknown to 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 dark, like fast. And that's one of his, you know, great talents uh, as as a composer. I thought about that as well. Um, ultimately, I went with another different piece of score. Uh, just titled Solomon, which plays a few times throughout the movie. It's kind of like the theme of the movie. And it's anytime Solomon is is like his gears are really grinding. And he's really thinking about, in particular, my favorite bit is when he's writing the letter. And he has this like small glimmer of hope, like, okay, if I if this can get to these people that know me and know who I am, it can, you know, maybe I'll get rescued. Of course, that gets gets fucked up, um, but there and it happens like four or five times where this piece of score drops, and you're just kind of like, "Okay, Solomon's making a move here." You know, he's really, he's really, he's not giving up hope, which is crazy because a lot of people would just give up and die, and he does not. He does not. And I, I, I was between that that Solomon track, and I was, and then I was thinking about when the slaves break out and singing "Roll Jordan Roll." which is just a very powerful moment of him specifically, you know, when you're, you're, you're watching Solomon, he doesn't sing at first and then he joins in and he's kind of like, ah, like whether, whether I want to accept it or not, I am, I am one of these people right now. And I would rather not turn my head to them just because I was once free and they weren't, I'm going to be on their team. You know, I'm going to be, I want to be a participant here. And that, that's a real powerful scene that can be interpreted in a lot of ways. Uh, so I, it was between those two for me, but I ultimately went with Solomon. Hans Zimmer, well fucking done. This is one of his movies that I don't think people realize he did the score. Yeah. Uh, but God, it's powerful. That scene you were talking about, I, I initially read that as they broke him. As he's, he accepts his lot in life, like this is it. Yeah, this is I'm a slave. Yeah, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. Christ, man. Yeah, uh, no, it's definitely it's definitely a tough one to like to to figure out cuz yeah, he looks around for a minute and he starts singing roll Jordan roll and you're like, "Oh boy. Um you know, how 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 is he what is he really thinking right now? Has he given up hope or is he just going to be with his brothers and sisters right here?" Ah, uh, I don't know. Fucking tough, yeah. Fucking tough. That's why I almost chose it because it's got a lot of stuff around it. Uh, the Philip Seymour Hoffman Award. Who do you got? This was hard. And as much as I don't like giving credit to the white devil, I have to give this to Michael Fassbender. Okay. Yeah, I, I can't do it. 
<laughs> I know it's hard to do it, but <laughs> the performance is brilliant. Wow. The character, I know, I know, like is so evil, like hell would spit him out. I mean, god damn it, this the shit he does in this movie is vicious as like just he's a he's like I feel like you know the sociopathic tendencies of people in the like late in the 20th century these like monsters like Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer and whatnot those mindsets existed back then but these people were able to get away with you know being in normal society because they took that they took shit out on their slaves I guarantee you that these people like you know the rape and the torture and all that it comes from that same place that same mental evil i guarantee it and fastbender exhibited that so freakishly perfectly that it just it it makes it hard to watch anytime he's on screen and knowing you know seeing his other work you know magneto and the glorious bastard to steve jobs like the range this guy has is mind-blowing and i i appreciate that yeah, no, I, I I can't really argue that. I will say, you should see Hunger. Uh, I know what he does with his body in that movie, on top of just his his presence, his dialogue, his his delivery. That's the one where he just lost so much weight that it's very very scary. Watching him on screen is, uh, I I don't really understand how those guys do that, and not like wither away. He's he's so skinny and in shame. Uh, he's he's such he plays such a good obsessed character. Yeah, Fassbender is a is a freak of nature, and this this could be looked at as his most obviously most challenging and out there role. You know, playing Epps, and so I, I, I get that. But in, in in my mind, the winner of this movie is is for sure Lupita Nyong'o, and yeah, uh, she she's oh man, she's she's so good. That it 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 hurts. It hurts really bad. Uh, and not only that, but this was a breakthrough performance where we didn't know who she was, and no one had really heard of her. Who's the, who? Lapita, you know, is like who is this? And now she's like this, the co-star in fucking Black Panther, you know, and is is a is a part of Marvel. Um, I've seen her do everything at this point in the past decade. She has no like no flaws as a as a performer, and it starts with this. And good lord, Patsy represents like the slaves that don't get don't get saved and that don't have any freedom, that don't have any say about what's happening. They're just they're in this, they're stuck. And um, there's a scene where she's like, I mean, the scenes where she's being just straight up abused are are are, are very frightening. But then, you, you know, you, you have to be reminded, the, you know, people are human sometimes in movies, you know, because you only have a small window to, to make a film. And this movie's about a little over two hours. There's a scene where she's playing. She's like making making dolls with her feet, you know, using, you know, using string, using grass and whatnot. And watching her do that and she's humming and you're like, man, you know, just there's some somewhere in there is, is an inner child that wants to just like run and do what normal people do. And those are the little reminders that I think uh, movies need sometimes. And I think Lupita does the best job 
and this movie of reminding you over and over that this this is this is a story about people and about our history and uh goddamn she deserved that oscar so i'm really glad she glad she got it but she will tell as well you know he he carries the film he he is the star he is the he plays solomon he plays uh platt so yeah I guess I said this one's easy to me, but really those three, Fazbender, Chiwetel, and Lupita are yeah. on a, they're on a field of their own, just fucking putting on a clinic. Uh, so crazy, man. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, the Roger Deakins Award. This is tough, you know, because there's not really a scene that's the best. It's, it's really most, um, most impactful, I would say. Yeah. It's not really like, oh, this was this was great. It's more like, what was the most powerful, the most impactful, the most kind of mind blowing from a filmmaking standpoint? I wrote it down immediately uh, as soon as I started the movie. I knew what it was going to be. Uh, it's the scene where Solomon is finally rescued because it's the you finally get a reprieve from this nightmare. You finally get a little bit of hope when his his friends from the north come and tell him like. They interview, they have the cop interview. I'm like, who are you? And he gives all the right answers. And they're like, my God, it's him. And then Solomon just hugs Mr. Parker and Edwin comes up trying to disrupt it. And they're like, get away from him. I just love seeing them, you know, tell Edwin to fuck off as they're getting Solomon home. It's like, oh, I, you breathe a sigh of relief. You're like, it's like, we all get to go home. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, God, it's so tough watching him say bye to Patsy. It's like, oh, Jesus, man. Just sucks. Just sucks the life out of you. You're like, what one person's hope is one person's, you know, fucking ending, you know? And man, there is no, yeah, there is no fucking real redemption in, in a movie that's that's taking place during this time about this subject matter. But uh, yeah, I, I went a similar route. My my Deacons goes to that scene when he sees his family again. Oh. Uh, and, uh, you know, he sees, he sees his wife, he sees his son, uh, his daughter and his daughter's uh, husband. And now his, his grandson, whose name is Solomon. Uh, and he says, I apologize for my, but I have had a difficult time these past few years, you know, and he's saying, sorry, you know, and, they group hug around him and the movie ends, you know? Um, and then this movie, this, this again, this is what this movie does. And I'm glad it doesn't just say like, yay, you know, it's over. It goes to the end credits, you know, and it shows you that like these people got off these people, the people that kidnapped him, nothing really happened. And in fact, Solomon, Solomon Northup's, you know, death is still kind of unknown. And, you know, still, who knows what really happened to this guy in the last few years of his life? You know, it's like just not not a movie that's going to make you feel good at all, which is which is partly the point. And I'm glad we've I'm glad we've talked about this movie today. I think I think it was is going to happen because yes, it's a winner, but I also think it was going to happen because you know it's good to have uncomfortable conversations sometimes. And Twelve Years a Slave provides difficult conversations. So uh, thank you, man, for going down this, going down this tough road with me. Uh, it was fun ranking the movies. It was fun talking about the, the ceremony, but 12 years of slave is, is a tough one. Again, it's on HBO max. If um, you know, feel like checking it out, I totally understand. If not, that's, 
that's not anyone i'm not holding that i'm not holding that against anybody oh man yeah you could pass but i do think you'll learn something if you do watch it but just be prepared for what you're going into yeah and and you know do 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 what you got to do to you know you got to talk to somebody about it right after i would get that too you know um it's it's one of those it's one of those one of those tough tough films of 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 recent history uh craziness uh next week we will be doing uh another 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 heavy hitter not not as um not as tough but still got some some shit in it that we're definitely going to be talking about and going to be going down some interesting paths uh we're going to be talking about 1989's do the right thing next week spike lee's masterpiece a film that definitely should have you know made some noise in the best picture group so i'm excited to finally talk about it we've we've mentioned this movie a thousand times on this show uh i feel like it's right to just go ahead and do it uh talk about lee we might do a top five spike lee i don't know we'll, we'll figure something out to do for that episode have some fun uh one of the greatest you know, American filmmakers ever. Uh, so that's, that's gonna be really cool. But uh, also this week on uh, sneak preview tomorrow, I believe you guys are gonna be talking about a few things. Is that right? Yeah, we're going to be doing uh, four movies. Uh, most of our time being split between uncharted and the new Texas chainsaw massacre. Okay. Very nice. Yeah. Did you, you've already watched those? Yes, I have. So tomorrow, are you going to be having fun or are you going to be kind of talking shit? We're going to be having fun. Uh, Texas Chainsaw was my palate cleanser for 12 Years a Slave. That's where I'm at in life now. And uh, (laughs) this was a fun fucking movie because we get to see Leatherface fuck up a bunch of millennial assholes. So buckle up. It's a blast. That's good. And Uncharted, you like that? I did like Uncharted. I didn't think I would. But any fan of the game is going to get a kick out of this. It's a it's a fun movie. Well, that's good. I I liked the game. I I never really played it. I watched my brother play it because that's how that's how it was. That's how it was for me. Uh, okay, cool, cool. And then on a uh, filmgasm, actually going to be really cool. First time, uh, first time filmgasm, fellas. Uh, my two older brothers, Adam and Jeremy, uh, are going to have an episode where they're talking about uh, D two, the Mighty Ducks, which is just a uh, uh, absolute classic in my family. We watched that movie so many times growing up. So I'm excited to hear my two brothers kind of hopefully join the uh, film guys in rotation and kind of have some fun. And uh, I know the mighty ducks is one they, they brought the pain on. Cause that's, that's a movie we all three are obsessed with. And then uh, on Friday, beyond the bad death wish, 2018. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It didn't, it took not even 10 episodes of beyond the bad before we tar- started talking about Bruce Willis. Like, uh, I get it. Yeah. The king of not giving a shit. <laughs> yeah. These, these days, the guy just wants to get paid. <laughs> oh man. I love that. Well, yeah, we got a, we got a really, really random fun filled week uh, of, of film guys and production stuff going on. So give us a follow on uh, social media, always at film and keep listening to our podcast. We'll see you guys later.